Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Hello, 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 and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keyes. Alongside me, as always, the one and only Mr. Ronan, where have you been, Mullen? I forget how to do this. <laughs> it's been a while. You just speak into this fucking thing here? <laughs> yeah, uh, that big furry thing in front of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yes, uh, we are we are back. We had a, we took a bit of an extended break. Hiatus. Uh, hiatus, I like that, yeah. Hmm. Um, where anybody else would call it... Uh, Skaven. Lazing about. Lazing about. Um, so yes, very w- welcome back everybody and apologies for the delay. We'll hopefully be back now on a uh, weekly or bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. This uh, episode today is our review of 2029, is it? Well, I don't know what year it is anymore. Fuck knows. <laughs> I know we're nearly near February, but what year? I'm having a ball. Uh, so yes, we thought we'd take a look back at last year, 2021, um, with a lot of uh, great releases, a lot of shit. Um, but a lot of shit A lot of shit But a lot of good stuff And uh, we're going to try and condense it all as much as we can into one episode uh, We're going to start off with uh, the TV element of things mm-hmm. I think TV really uh, kicked off uh, really T- well this year actually. TV uh, kicked off because a lot of stuff that had already been filmed in 2019 And couldn't be touched in 2020 yeah. Came out in 2021 Yeah. So we were sort of, we had a glut of that and it was great But it's harder to film TV so they have it done well in advance yeah. Which is why most of the films that came out were done, because they were all shot just on the fly. And, and you've got the boost then, obviously, because of the pandemic and all the rest, you've got the boost then of the increased uh, hours at home that mm. people had. Mm. So TV and, and movies and all became a, a big part of it. Podcasts, obviously, is a big part of it. And so thank you to all our listeners. And thank you to everybody who sent us messages um, asking for us to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's nice to see. the uh, So the TV end of things, we... we We've got a list, if you want to call it that. We sort of jotted down a few things. Um, we're going to start off with. Well, there's a few. There's a few obvious ones that will like we can just scatter through real quick. There was a lot of returns. There was a lot of old favorites that we've already mentioned in our previous best of years. Yes, uh-huh. the likes of Curb, mm-hmm. the likes of What We Do in the Shadows, Dave, and uh, Succession. Yes. By the way, the end of Succession season three uh-huh. is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's fantastic, yeah. So just get on that. We're not going to go over them or dwell too much. No. Um, Curb, though, needs to be given some... <laughs> we don't have any clips for it. We don't have anything prepared for it. But I mean, it's just... <laughs> it, it, it's relentless in, in, yeah. its, in its approach to the, the minefield we're currently living in. Yeah. And, and David just puts on big fucking flat clown feet and runs through the minefield and doesn't yep. give a fuck. <laughs> Literally runs but through. But very, very smart and very well done, mm-hmm. uh, as always. The Some of the, the, the storylines this year have been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the arc of the whole... Uh, fenced off pool scenario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> starting literally from season one right yeah. through or episode one, sorry, right through to the very end. It's uh, yeah, he's kept that arc, and he's. And he, it seems to, that he's grown to enjoy having a wee arc. Um, mm-hmm. The first sort of couple of seasons didn't, and then after a while, it became like the spite store or the coffee store. Yeah, the last season. I sort of enjoy it a bit more because uh, yeah, it's you, a bit you know what you're going back to a wee bit of familiarity every episode yes. and a reference that's not. And it keeps it it's sort of a nice wee bundle in regards to the season mm-hmm. then because you have that uh, that arc that wasn't there in the past. Uh, but as always, I mean, some of the, the standout performances are coming from David himself and mm-hmm. Jeff Garland and, and the usual crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... And, and <laughs> it's, it's JB Smooth? JB Smooth is just 
unfucking believable. <laughs> it's so uh, it's getting to the point now where I like, you, you, especially at the start of an episode, you you, you see a topic being t- uh, touched, whether it's yeah. freedom of speech or whether you should say this thing or shouldn't say that thing, or yeah. and you're like you, st- you start cringing, going, "Oh, this is where he's going. This is where he's going. <laughs> How is he doing this?" There's nothing like there's nothing like uh, the phrase "Goebbels is the goat." Yeah. Was a phrase I never <laughs> thought I would hear from a Jewish person at all times. Yeah. <laughs> but what he was talking about was misinformation. misinformation. When it comes to misinformation, Goebbels is the goat. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that phrase even said, it's you could definitely misreinterpret mis- re- that in a different yeah. way. Like it's. Um, so yes, curb enthusiasm as always. We've we've done that uh, coverage. We've also, um, you know, we've we've the things you talked about, the ones you mentioned there. We've done them enough already. So yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not on them by now. I can't help you. I mean, to go uh, to go back and watch Curb, which is what eleven seasons now, mm-hmm. which started from the we said in our podcast started from the uh, uh, basically a special, yeah. And nobody thought it would, especially because of Larry David, mm-hmm. nobody thought it would go any further. No. Nope. But there was an interview recently with uh, Jeff Garden, and uh, it's fascinating when you hear him talk about the structure. We 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 reveled in it in our uh, episode. If you get a chance, go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. The whole improvisation thing. The uh, literally still doing that in season eleven when it's so polished and so the rest, it's still here's your outline. Mm-hmm. We want you to perform. Work away. Yeah, and they completely improvise. They they know where they need to go to. And they know what's going, what's happening. But the fact that that's still continued and they haven't went down the script route is just unbelievable. Really, yeah. really, really amazing. Uh, so yes, uh, what is you said uh, in Rick and Morty? We have a we have well, we'll, we have we'll a, come to Rick and Morty. Maybe we, we've got a there's a TV show that I was brought it was brought to my attention maybe August September last year. It came out the second season came out in July last year, but it was meant to come out again another victim of the sort of twenty twenty. Right, okay. Now the guy it's called I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Mm-hmm. Tim Robinson and his writing partner Zach Cannon. They're both ex SNL writers. Right. Okay. It's produced by Lonely Island as well. Mm-hmm. They don't write it. It's twelve episodes. Across two seasons, so six episodes a season. And this is the way it's been described. The contributing editor from Wired magazine, Peter Rubin, wrote that he became obsessed with I Think You Should Leave, having watched the whole first season at least a hundred times. He wrote that the show's sketches tend to revolve around a character who is gloriously, spectacularly wrong, yet refused to budge, lest they be humiliated by coping with their own wrongness. And that lust, the show, isn't just a distillation of our personal insecurities. It's a combination of facade. It's an antidote, in other words, to the internet itself. So I'd already watched. I started with the second season and I went back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not being in any way sort of over the top here. It's the best 12 episodes of anything I've ever watched comedy-wise, especially comedy-sketch-wise. That's a statement and a half now. It is fucking insanity. Okay, I haven't watched this now, but I've, uh, I definitely am very intrigued Wherever now. Wherever you have to go and watch. it's going to go, uh-huh. that's not where it's going. Right. And is this, uh, this is on Netflix? It's on Netflix, both okay. seasons. It's for Netflix, made for Netflix. Right, okay. Oh, it's Netflix original, okay. Right, so uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. We'll definitely give that a look out. We have a clip here from it, um, if you want to set it up for us. Uh, basically, the, the sketch is there are, there's a group of adults at a ghost tour, and the ghost tour is after 10 p.m., so they class it as the adult hour, but some people take the adult hour as a different meaning. Welcome to the Larbert Oaks Mansion Ghost Tour. 
Built in 1887, five generations of Farsleys have inhabited this mansion, and an unusual number of them have met their deaths under suspicious circumstances. Bad for them, but good for me. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a ghost tour. <laughs> there are over 20 suspicious deaths. So during the tour, why don't you guys stay close by? We wouldn't want to make it 21 tonight, would we? <laughs> it's just after 10 p.m. This is the adult tour, which means you can drink if you want, and we can say whatever the hell we want. <laughs> Jizz. Sorry? Jizz by cum shot. You can say that, because you said we can say whatever the hell we want. I'm sure. Or horse cock? <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know, there are no rules about swearing. Awesome. But let's do try and keep the comments and questions related to the ghost tour, okay? <laughs> so it just progresses and gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm not going to ruin the sketch, but at the end, the guy's crying and still saying horse cock and stuff. <laughs> and it's just fucking, it's insane. Brilliant, right? So I think you should leave with Tim Robinson is our first, so definitely go on and check that out. Uh, on regards to then TV, we'll, st we'll stick with the TV theme. Uh, again, another uh, show that we have done mm -hmm. a standalone episode on, but they only had four seasons at that stage. We're now in yep. season five. It is, of course, Rick and Morty. Yeah, probably an hour blinder this year. Absolutely, yeah. Mine blow. Well, I haven't. Uh, I haven't finished the season yet. I have. Okay, so I know there's a big finale and a big, there's a big finale. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to that, but I haven't got there yet. But um, yeah, this is from season three, and this is uh, again they're sort of talking, um, like we said about Kirby enthusiasm, still very relevant issues. So mm -hmm. this is the introduction of Planetina. Yes, who is I imagine is the superhero version of Greta Thunberg. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> who this wants is, to save is the this planet this and season five, episode three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your acid rain is an acid pain in the butt, Diesel Weasel. Yikes, wow. he's the chick in need of a dialogue pass. The first order of business is to clean up this acid rain with a little win. Ow, ow, my leg. Wow. And now, an elemental punch that's too hot to handle. Wow. Curse you, Planetina. I'll get you next slime. <laughs> There's only one solution for Earth's pollution. You. Wow. Morty, if you say wow one more time, I swear to fucking God. Yeah, Rick, she's right there. <laughs> yeah, get that aluminum, Morty. It's 8% of the Earth. We'll need every atom. <laughs> Thanks. Every litter bit helps. <gasps> Your problem. Excuse me? S sorry, I, I I wanted to say n no problem. You're welcome. And, and it came out your problem. <laughs> I, I'm an idiot. Sorry. You're not an idiot. You recycled. I, I'm Morty. Nice to meet you, Morty. I'm Planetina, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Hey, the f*** we doing here? Uh, y y you like soft serve? There's a shop around the bend. Oh, I don't eat ice cream. Veal is a product of the dairy industry. Oh, that's not good. No, it is not. Oh, my God. Come on, let's go. I know a place that serves cruelty-free donuts. If you'd like, I could fly you and your friend there. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him. He, he said he can't come. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's Alison Brie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, Alison Brie with the uh, uh, Planetina there. But I mean, some of the concepts in some of the episodes have been, uh, as always, out there. Yeah. The decoy families. Yeah. <laughs> and the many multiverses of uh, how oh, that goes. Wait till you get to the fucking Japanese episodes, like. Okay, and then the Narnia one, which is the, yeah. the first episode, I think, is it? It's one uh, of the first two. Where the yeah, <laughs> trying to age wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most surreal sort of sub story I was on, I think, yet. And that's saying something. And that's with saying, yeah, saying Uh So, yes, a, a great uh, something that um, 
you always wondered or worried with uh, Rick and Morty if they would keep up the consistency and the quality, but they have. They have, and I think they keep adding rating staff because the more popular it gets and the bigger it gets, I think that they're able to just hire more people and those people are bringing fresh ideas. And of course, Harmon and Royland are just going to cut everything yeah. bullshit out anyway, but the premises, if they're good, they'll keep the premise and, you know, yeah, obviously new, new fresh ideas is coming through, but it's, it's working like th- that can go on forever. As well as that, we have a couple of uh, things we want to list out that we don't want to play clips on, but uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. So Ted Lasso starring Jason Sudeikis. Mm-hmm. Sudeikis. Uh, it's uh, set it up. What's the it's premise a, well, of it? Like it's, it's, we're in season two now at this stage or it's just finished. Well, it's about an American football coach, a high school or like a lower league American football coach. He wasn't like playing in the NFL. Yeah, or not coaching NFL, NFL. He's just, yeah. He gets hired all of a sudden to coach a... English lower league football team, mm-hmm. Richmond, which are non-existent, obviously, but it's an, under the premise that he fucks the team, mm-hmm. but it ends up becoming quite an inspiring sort of, it's schmaltzy, it's but almost saccharine sweet, you it, know, like is, it makes your teeth cringe a wee bit, it's so sweet, but, but the characters are so well thought out, and very well acted, I thought, and yeah. it is funny, it is actually funny, yeah, and, and it's not like fucking, you know, Channel 4, 8pm funny, it's like, Swearing, yeah. take the piss, yeah. dirty. It's funny at all sort of areas. Like it doesn't hold back. The there is a a, a Roy Keane, um, which yeah. I assume is a Roy Keane version of yeah. uh, a footballer who's Roy Kent. Roy Kent. <laughs> they were very they were very good on yeah, these yeah, guys and that. Who's subtle. a grump, a grumpy fucker who uh, is getting older and uh, basically is the the ringleader, but also he, he, he was the, aging. And yeah, he was the he was the fucking fans hero. Like, yeah. but he was getting. Bit slow on the pitch, and all the younger guys are getting faster than him. And even in the new season, like it's so, it's so clearly based on Roy Keane <laughs> when you see him doing the punditry, the yeah. football fun, which is Keane doing the punditry, going, "What yeah. the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Ted Lasso again, something to put on the background. I wouldn't get too. Uh, it's not. It's no HBO sort of. No, no, stuff, no. But, but it, it is good. It's entertaining. I, I watched all of them. I enjoyed them. Like, but yeah, it is. And it's written by the coach. Yeah, he, worked, yeah. he that guy writes a lot of the. I can't remember his name off the top Same of my head. That, I can't think but of he, he does a podcast. No, he's, he's a good guy. Like he's he's funny as fuck. Like. Uh, and the cast around him uh, again, great cast. But, but award season, they're they're clearing up like. Oh, are they they're supporting up, actors, actresses, oh, main actors, actors. Oh, they're they're clearing up. Oh, nice one. All okay. around. So, so it's on Apple TV is where it originally was. Apple broadcast. TV. I'm sure, yeah. you could probably find a, a dodgy version if you had to. Well, we or, wouldn't or pay for Apple TV. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> the thing I want to talk about, we don't have a clip of either, is Mister In Between. Right, okay. It's an Australian right. one. Now, it finished on season three. I know, bummer for you, everyone, but it finished in season three, the end of last year, and it was brought to my attention by Niall Donnelly, mm-hmm. who brings nothing to my attention that's good, <laughs> who also notoriously will tell me the fucking ending of films oh, before I've no seen them. Way. Told me who died in oh. Avengers Infinity War. Oh, jeez. And kept doing it, kept like poking at me, going, oh, but what do you hear? What do you hear? I was like, Niall, don't tell me anything about it. We literally got out, off plane, got into the van, and he goes, and if you hadn't fucking watched Infinity War, turn off now. Yeah, flick on he literally seconds. went like this, couldn't believe Spider-Man died. <laughs> After me telling him, I hadn't fucking seen it yet. Anyway, Niall sits and tells me about this show, and I'm very hesitant, but he hit it out of the fucking park, like. Right, okay. So it's this... <laughs> This guy who's basically just, he's not a vigilante, but he's like a gun for hair, sort of, mm-hmm. but an anti-hero because he's likable. Right, okay. Uh, it's written by this guy called Nash, Ed- no, Scott Ryan. Okay. And he's wrote this show based on a short, fi- like a short film he made, and Nash Edgerton directed it and wrote it and got it up for FX. Mm-hmm. It's on Disney Plus. 
Right. And I, I guarantee you're going to like it. Like, it's very enjoyable. It can be brutal. It's funny. It's got a ring. So it's Mr. In-Between? Mr. In-Between. Okay. Good. And so Australian. Nobody we know in it. I don't think I know. Oh, Damien, the, the guy who played Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's in good. it. Right. He's in it. Uh, okay, so what He's Mr. also in Justified. Yes. He's one of yeah. the guys in Justified. So Mr. In-Between. Uh, Mayor of Easttown was another absolute... Just superb. No, I didn't. I haven't watched it, but not deliberately avoided it. Yeah, it's just when it when it ended, and I was going to go back to it. Like a thousand other shows started. Yeah, yeah. And I just and haven't. So, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best things Kitman's has ever done. Um, it's fuck off. Yeah, it's a really better than Titanic. Better than Titanic, boy. Um, it's it's a fantastic and so well written in the sense that even the first episode, and I love how they've done it. Is you're you're watching some you're watching the first few minutes, and you in your head have assumed right that's who this character is and that's what their relationship is to this person, mm-hmm. and then later on it's not you know what I mean it's like they'll let they'll lead you down a road of thinking oh this person is for instance uh, this is her her boyfriend yeah and you find out oh, fuck it's not it's her uncle or it's her, you know oh, there's okay. all that sort of stuff but it's done so subtly and so. Um, incrementally, it's like very small wee notes, and you're like, "Oh, that's not as fucking." You know, you're you're constantly playing that. That's just an opening episode, fuck, and it continues again. But the actual thing, based on a murder and all the rest, it's it's very, very, uh, very well done and very well acted. Again, uh, well, she it, she's winning all the actors' awards. I, I can't. I can imagine she would do. Yeah, she's, she's pretty much got that. Really, deal, really fucking, really. Uh, I would say probably like, maybe not better than Titanic, but again, definitely the best thing she's done in the last. Number of years, anyway, um, but still not better than Titanic. Don't know. Her her scenes and extras were always. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I've never watched Titanic. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm talking about. The the other one that we talked about is in the same vein as in Mayor of Easttown, in the sense that it's a mini series and it's a small six or eight episode thing. Is Dope Sick? Yep. Dope Sick is on Disney Plus. Does, again, I gotta give credit. Nail Donnelly's been talking away about it, so he's on a blinder now. Two for two. Two for two. Uh, yeah, Dope Sick is absolutely fantastic. Michael Keaton, and not that we needed any uh, sort of affirmation, uh, affirmation that, he that he's one of the best Batman, but he's fucking unbelievable in this. Um, it's it's a drama, obviously, and it tells a true story of the opioid crisis in America and specifically Purdue Pharma and their production of oxycodone. And I mean. Forget about the fact that it's a true story because that would anger you enough. But the way it delves into the detail of what had actually happened to people's houses, their families, and all mm-hmm. their lives and stuff—it's fucking. It would get your blood boiling. To be honest, I know you. it's brutal. Uh, and when you see what the pharmaceutical companies did, uh, specifically this one, and how they managed to fool people, um, it was yeah, very very scary actually. The power they had, and still has a. Great grip on certain areas of still America. has yeah large yeah, sort yeah. of areas of America not and, fucking and the, towns. I think, I think the scary thing about this, and I think that was that at the time of the opioid crisis, was normally if you have a if we think of crack cocaine, for instance, was always an issue in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. This was aimed at rural areas mm-hmm. where with people who are in um, long term working jobs and mining or logging or any of those sort of things where it's physical work and people are injured all the time, all the time. So then what happened is you had this sort of belt of, well, they call it an opioid crisis. It was a fucking heroin addiction mm-hmm. throughout the whole of America. Uh, and again, down to profits. But the fact that Disney Plus has put this out and, and the fact it's being made is a good sign. Yeah. You know, that they're actually going to finally hold people responsible. Because I've seen I've seen two documentaries and a documentary series that Alex Gibney done called Crime of the Century yes, about the opioid crisis. Yeah. And... 
I understand people don't like watching documentaries, so mm-hmm. to put it in a dramatic fashion, yeah, we'll get through to a lot more people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you do, if you watch this and and you finish the eight episodes, and you're not ready to go out and hang somebody from the pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you haven't been paying attention. No, uh, but yeah, very well done, very well um, acted in that sense. I mean, the cast around them, a lot of maybe people we don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the guy, but he's the head of Purdue Pharma and was in Boardwalk Empire. Yes, he's fantastic. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yes, go and check out Dope Sick. You definitely will not be uh, uh, disappointed in that. Succession, we talked about. Yeah. So again, it's not a new season for, it's not a new series, it's just a new season. But uh, what a season. Fucking unbelievable. I only got into it this year. So okay. Only, yes, I didn't see the first two seasons, but I binge watched the whole lot. And my God, absolutely fucking amazing. I couldn't get over that that last episode. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get over it. <laughs> I was sitting just, me, my friend John Mayer, he, he put up a tweet and he was just like, but like, I couldn't fucking get over that speech. Like, yeah, that was literally a breakdown being filmed. Like, Unreal. I was fucking floored. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Brian Cox plays the uh, head of a family, which I can only assume is, I, I would say it's, if you were to talk about where were the family inspired by, it's like a mixture of the Murdoch family and the Trump family. It's that sort of... Mixing out Robert Durst and his family there in the middle of it, <laughs> yeah. and you've got a fucking some cocktail. You've got this sort of uber-rich, wealthy media tycoon who has a family of, I don't know, siblings who are fucking mental, yep. each and every one of them. All hate each other. Uh, all hate each other. And love each other at the same time. At the but, same time. but really hate each other. Like. Yeah, and there's so much deceit and so much dishonesty amongst uh, siblings. And Kieran Culkin is a standout performance mm-hmm. for me. Um, his, uh, like, that character of Roman is fucking amazing. Uh, I don't think he actually auditioned for Roman in the first place. I, I don't think, think he, so either. But the fact that in season three, he breaks a bit. Yes. Because he, he's just fucking, he's just the same straight shooter right through to about mm-hmm. season three in a bit, and then and something happens. Yeah. So yeah, go and take a look at Succession. Um, it's absolutely well worth the watch uh, uh, on Sky, I do believe. Sky, Sky or no HBO, no TV. Uh, but yeah, another HBO fucking clinker. Um, yeah. uh, and and they just they they keep hitting it out of the park. Everything mm-hmm. they do. Uh, the other thing then back to Disney Plus. Then we have a mixture here where we meld two words to get words together. So we music and TV. So the Beatles get back. Yeah, the documentary. This thing fucked me up. Messed me fucked completely. me up. Not only did it fuck me up and that I didn't know what the roles were in the band, mm-hmm. like, but just watching that happen is the strangest fucking shit I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. Because I, I've never been more sickened yeah. by how fucking talented two to three people... Ringo's not talented. <laughs> they, like, they they would just... I can't explain it. It's We're going to show... Well, first of all, that's, that's, we, you should talk, we should talk about how it looks. Because it is fucking amazing. Oh no, it's like the upscale and the transfer is... The, the upscale and transfer, ha, you know, obviously you go back to Peter Jackson and, and you're back to his, is it ILM? His, uh, what's his company called? The, the Weta. Weta. You, go, you know, you're talking, to get that to look like as a, like that looks 4K, oh, definitely HD. Oh, absolutely. But it looks like it was shot yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time... With a pile of boys who didn't know what year it was. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like it, we don't? Yeah, it it just, it looks, to the point you would, if somebody had told you that's all computer generated, you go, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because it just doesn't make any sense for something to be that late in the 60s on that format to be looking that good. Mm-hmm. So the work had to go in. 
we've seen loads over the years of upscaled DVDs to HD or whatever. Even the likes of say anything with big CGI in it, you know, is always upscaled. You can see it and tell the difference. And there's a green. Yeah, the blacks aren't quite black. They're just sort this of grey. This is just f- and the sound as well, mm-hmm. obviously. So the work they put into it, and as you say, that well for me, my relationship with the Beatles changed completely. As in, I I knew where I thought I placed each one of them. Same. And now it's no. the whole structure and tier system to the point I I, I completely love Paul McCartney yep, for same. his drive and his But pre-watching this? B- b- before this, I hated him. Couldn't you fuck with Paul McCartney? <laughs> yeah, didn't care about him. I was all about George, Ringo was, and John. I was all about George and John. I didn't really worry about Ringo, but George I worried about Ringo. I worried about Ringo. <laughs> we just have to love George because he funded Life of Brian. But um, there's... There's a such a dynamic shift uh, to the point where I'm thinking, why the fuck did Paul McCartney wait for this long? To the, this should have been out ten years ago, well, twenty years th- ago. That was my. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure he mustn't have seen all this. Yeah, he mustn't have watched all this footage. Although he is very little to be at, he probably should have. <laughs> but how this stuff came about, Peter Jackson just asking the right questions to people, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden these fucking tapes land on the desk, and it's like. Unreal. Hundreds of hundreds of hours. Unreal, yeah. And then they have to cipher through it. Now, it is not short. It no, is you're, 78 you're, hours of... Well, I was going to say nine plus, because I think it's three hours each episode. It's three episodes. I think it cuts... I think it's 249, but there's... So, like, eight to nine hours of just solid... And the thing is, when I turned it on, two hours had passed. I was like, fuck, if I went two hours, I didn't realise. Mm-hmm. You were just so engrossed in that. I think maybe you have to be... I don't think you have to be a Beatles fan. I think you just have to be a music fan. If you're a music fan, this is fucking gold. But, but even for a cultural fan, to yeah, see you, how things came about, because no matter if you're a fan of the Beatles or not, you know their music. The weird, even, I know this sounds really weird for what we've just seen for like seven of the hours, but when they go back to Apple Studios mm-hmm. and they go up to the top and they, they just go, we're just going to film them on the roof. Yeah. Even seeing them going up the staircase for the first time the first to the time, roof and going, yeah. I hear, I was going, this is weird, man. But not only that, I mean, because the, the rooftop performance is prob- is the last time they perform publicly, but it's been a video that's been about, for obviously, for decades. I've always seen the footage of the roof. The keyboard player. Always seen him there, but never knew the story. Never knew the story. Billy Preston, is Billy, it? Yeah, played with Billy Preston. Oh, sorry, play. The chance of him... Now, in my head, this is where I was going, because McCartney's smoking weed constantly throughout yeah. the thing, yeah. and they try and cut and crop. If you look at the angles, you can see him not showing that he's smoking. When he's smoking a fag, it's a fag, but when he's smoking a joint, it's elsewhere. So in my head, I'm going, Billy knows the beat, or what, what's his name? I can't remember his fucking oh, fuck name. It. He knows the beat. Is it Billy Preston? Is it maybe Billy Preston was the boy he played for, but I think... I thought he played for Billy Preston. In my head, it was like, right, he's an American who's just come into London because he's, he's there for a couple of weeks, and he needs a hookup. <laughs> and he knows the boys He knows them And he decides to go on It is Billy Preston You're Billy right Preston. Sorry uh, He decides to go on And maybe get a hook up And get a wee uh, A bag off Macca Well And just randomly But even if, if that That's just my own head For the The, the Origin story But even just the, the footage that shows Of him walking in And just Well how's things And then we're like Do you want to play And, and you can see The sudden realisation <laughs> like, I'm playing with the Beatles here mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but he's nobody, lethal from the start like. Unreal But nobody says anything And he doesn't You know you can see it in his head You can see his eyes going over Holy fuck this is happening But he just slots in So naturally then So things like that We've always seen But I never really knew the story no, I, I, I didn't know and I'm not a Beatles historian In any way And a lot of people Are going to go How oh, do you not know that But yeah, I genuinely true, didn't yeah. know that But but it adds to the fucking flavor of this thing so much. Yeah, big time. Because when he lands, 
they all, they all start to fo- refocus because he's sitting there just staring at them like, why is I not under here? Yeah, good. And I, we're not in any way under... Pl- now, don't take this as a, a way of slighting the Beatles. Now, it's not. But if Paul McCartney wasn't sitting in that fucking studio, mm-hmm. them three hoors <laughs> would have been playing tiddlywinks. They'd have been they're measuring their wellies. We'd have had an album of Ringo Starr songs. We'd have an album <laughs> of Yoko and Ringo. <laughs> And there would have been fuck all involvement because George passed off in a ring. He was, he, under, he was fucked off, yeah. He didn't like... Uh, and, and and to be honest with you, he, he went way down in my estimation. And I, I, I shouldn't know, say that, but I always... George was one of my heroes. He wrote Here Comes the Sun, like, I know. Like, and he wrote something. But then you're like, oh, man, why are you being such a dick? And yeah. it's, is it... When you watch the dynamics of... of like, obviously, we're only getting a snapshot, but it does seem like he's just a guy going, stop fucking telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. To McCartney, but McCartney's trying to make the thing productive because, they're, as you say, they <laughs> sit around looking at each other. They would never do a tap. But you can see then this is this is the end result of uh, of a fight. Ultimately, there's a bit of a sort of they're they're waiting for John to turn up. They're late. waiting for John, and they're George under the impression that they know they haven't got enough songs yet. Yeah. They're, they're miles behind, and the album that ends up being get back, it's nowhere near fucking. And there's been a wee bit of a. Tete-a-tete between fucking George and Paul before this. They sort of... And there's just... There's a lingering tension as McCartney's sitting here strumming the bass waiting for uh, but for John to appear. I've spoken to... I can't tell you how many people about this scene. Uh-huh. Because it's just... It's just one of the most amazing things I've ever watched. Yeah. I've never seen songwriting in action before. No. But here no, we have it in live... live uh, in real time. And right in front of us, and to the point when you're watching this, you're, you're seeing just hearing him. He's just fucking about, just drumming and humming at the same time. And then all of a sudden, because the song is so iconic, because the song is known by everybody, the song is "Get Back." Yeah, that they're trying to write "Let It Be," but they're not. They're not doing it very happening. good. But you could hear when you first hear the first melody coming through. You're going, "Oh, there it is." And it's like a seed that just happens, and then it, as you can see, then a progression the whole way through. So this is uh, McCartney just strumming on the bass, and you can actually see George Harrison and Ringo sitting there watching him, and Harrison's just yawning. He's just like he could not. Be They're sitting fucked. about six foot from from Paul McCartney, right, and get back in front of them. Unreal when you hear it, just, <laughs> just so well, that amazing. first bit of melody, like holy fuck. The other thing I would say, I, I didn't, I didn't go and do this yet, but I'm, I'd love to go back and see. Do you know the way um, uh, Lennon McCartney's song uh, songbook basically has been poured over and it's been looked at? There's been articles written about songs 
all over what they mean, what the meaning behind it, and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I would love to know that some fucker <laughs> in the seventies, eighties, or nineties, even recent, has sat and went, "Get back, let's study this." Who was Jojo? Yeah, <laughs> you know all that sort of stuff. Just, and you realize they're just trying to fit words in the lines. All like, yeah, he's got a melody, melody yeah, there. Just fit the word with a melody. The word, and that's yeah. it. It means fuck all. It means not. Um, Paul but, wrote it while on holiday <laughs> in the Seychelles. He was he years. was floating on a turtle. <laughs> The fucking sun was hitting his cheeks. And then he's like, get back to where you once belong. And he had to go back to Liverpool. No, he didn't. He was sitting <laughs> under pressure. He couldn't fucking think of a song and he just pulled it out of his ass. The like, worst thing is, in my head, Jojo from Tucson, Arizona, has went and bought some California grass. And, and, mm -hmm. and that, that has been a, a journey and a vision in my head for years. Yeah. And then it just was ruined one documentary. <laughs> 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 means nothing. And you think of what it could have been. Uh -huh. Some of the lines they had, you're like, oh, that wouldn't have fitted at all. No, some it probably would have, only we're so conditioned to know the song now, what it ended up being. But your George Harrison's writing something in the way, yeah. and then obviously he does like, something in the way, me like a cauliflower. <laughs> You're like, thank fucking change that one. Because <laughs> nothing rains with broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I get a chance to go and watch the uh, Get Back. Uh, as I say, or we say, it's, it's, a, it's a long set. It's three episodes, um, but you're talking two and a half, three years each. But wow, what a, wow, what, like, what a system. But even of, to watch of, them perform at the end and just get happier and happier and happier yeah. with the weed. But getting happier <laughs> yeah. and happier and, and performing better and the songs keep mm -hmm. getting tighter and tighter and tighter over and over. It's amazing. Uh, so, yes, uh, go and check that out. I mean, even just, just to marvel at the fact that that was shot in 1968, 69, mm -hmm. and the fucking quality of it now. Oh, today. it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, absolutely it really amazing. Uh, right, um, we're gonna we're still on on sort of TV in this sense. So there was a new TV show uh, started on Netflix, and a new animated uh, show. The only way I can describe it is it's basically the political slash conspiracy theory Rick and Morty. Oh, for fuck's sake, Connor! Yeah. You've brought it here now. I brought it right in here. We're blending it all in. Uh, it's actually fucking genius what they've done. So it's called Inside Job. And uh, it's basically the the people who work for the deep state. Mm -hmm. So that's what this is based on, that there is a deep state. It's underground, runs everything, uh, but they're in chaos. Okay. They don't know what the fuck they're doing, and it's all mad. Um, the the girl who's in charge, the young girl who's in charge of the the deep state team, if you want to call it that, uh, her father is an ex. Uh, I don't know what you call him. Fucking basically, he's a, a conspiracy nut at the moment. And this is the opening scene, and this is what you hear from uh, the father, played by voiced by Christian Slater. Uh, and uh, it just it's what it has done is taken all the conspiracy theories you've ever heard, right from lizard people all the way through. Um, you know, they've taken them all and melded them into the storyline that they, that these conspiracy theories are actually true and the people running it are these fucking <laughs> mad ones down in the fucking basement. Everything they teach you in school is a lie. You want the truth? The world is controlled by shadowy elites and shape-sifting lizard people. Let's talk about reptoids. Be sure to follow these do's and don'ts to avoid a diplomatic incident. Do offer them a cricket, mouse, or vole out of your pocket. Fun fact about voles? A vole ain't my father. <laughs> Don't use loaded phrases like hissy fit or see you later alligator. Got it. Be respectful. So when do we talk about the orgies? Oh, come on. What? 
that. Everyone knows reptoids have orgies. <laughs> this is an HR meeting. <laughs> Mike, shut the hell up or I will castrate you. Ha! Good luck figuring out which one of my tentacles is a dick. Trick question. It's all of that. <laughs> uh, so yes, again, very smart and very... Uh, Meta in this current uh, climate of, of really delving into what's going on around us uh, in regards to conspiracy theory stuff. So yeah, very smart and uh, get a chance to do that. I think there's only 10 episodes. I'm hoping they're going to do a season two, but I'm not too sure. Uh, do you think they're probably got pressured? <laughs> they may have got, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, there's, a, it's a weird, there's a weird vibe coming of it. So hopefully they get a second season because, again, as I say, the writings is very, very smart. Uh, right, so I think that was all of us. And Well, the Squid Game was a big thing last year, but I didn't watch it. I didn't, I didn't watch it? No, it uh, wasn't into my, uh, in my radar. A weird one that I, I never normally would have watched, but the only reason I watched it because of who was starring in it is one called Only Murders in the Building. Haven't, but will. So Steve Martin and Martin Short, two of them. I I I have to say I love the two of them together. I always oh, have oh them. yeah, definitely. Um, and I seen uh, Selena Gomez was in it, and I was like, oh for fuck's sake! But it's actually all right. It's again, right. it's in the same vein as the Ted Lasso type thing. It's not taxing. It's not very you know uh, serious. Very lighthearted, but they're they're investigating the murder, but also very linked into what we're doing is they end up creating a podcast oh. um, within the building trying to find out who was the killer and as the podcast grows they are starting to get more close so oh, right, 10 right. episodes yeah so it's very good all like half hour episodes too so they're sort of short but um, Selena Gomez definitely way up my estimation she's done uh, she was a great job in it but uh, very, very funny very smart and again sort of Relatable if you're listening to podcasts, you can see because okay. we've all done the serial and the true crime stuff, you know, and that in podcasts. You can see then how this would be, uh, how it would have grown organically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think that's on Disney Plus as well. I think it's a Hulu, it is on I Disney Plus, it's a Hulu. Uh, a lot of this stuff is stars and Hulu and stuff yeah, that Disney's bought over, but yep. I don't care, they're all great as like, long as they're there. Yeah, we don't mind. Uh, right on to uh, our well, the other one was a weird one, which was Resident Alien. Okay. I came across that very uh randomly uh, starring Alan Tudyk 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 English guy who was in Firefly mm-hmm. and he was in A Knight's Tale and things like that he plays uh, an alien who has landed uh, on earth and has overtaken the local in a rural town in America the local doctor's body mm. and he is trying to adjust to life on earth mm. uh, again something just uh, light hearted to watch in the background a wee half hour network TV show um, but yeah I felt came across it randomly and it's alright it's watchable. Um, mm. It's uh, give it a go. Nah, yeah. Where was it on? Uh, Sky. I, was I it? honestly don't know. I think I, I, I Sky, Sky Revitation is an original or something. Like that? It might be on Sky Atlantic uh-huh. or something like that, or Sky One maybe. But yeah. So that was Resident Alien. Right. Moving on to our movies. So big selection of movies across the year. Yeah. The standout one I know already. I'm going to ask you what's the standout one, and you know what's going to be. One of the Resident Evil films? <laughs> no, it's Dune. It's Dune. It's Dune. Uh, so, or June, as we call it in Tyrone. But the... <laughs> you, you playing any tunes? Any June tunes? Dunes. The, um... So, uh, we'll, 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 we'll do a quick recap of the original. Back in the 1984, is it? 83, 84. Right. It was in Return of the Jedi was coming out, and that's why Lynch okay. said he couldn't do Jedi. And it's Kyle McLaughlin was the main yeah. character, yeah. And but they cover a whole book in two hours plus. Yeah. So that's why this one is going to be six hours plus, because it's that whole book is fucking massive. Massive. And it's a, it, 
wasn't a commercial success back in the day. It was okay, but it became it okay. a massive cult following mm-hmm. then as years went on. Mm-hmm. So now, taking us to 2021, we have uh, a, a reboot, if you want to call it that, I suppose. Is well, it, is a, it a reboot? I don't know the difference it's reboot. More, it's a liter- more literal adaptation of the book. Right. Whereas the other one was just a fucking hack job. So it's basically a remake then. You're doing the whole thing. Yeah. You're not coming up with a new concept. You're yeah. just remaking the thing. Reimagining. Reimagining. That's the one. Uh, so uh, everybody's favorite darling at the moment, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, well, I'll tell you a story Chalamet. about Timothy Chalamet. We went to see it. I couldn't go on the opening night, and I couldn't mm-hmm. go. I couldn't go the Thursday midnight, and I couldn't go the Friday. So we went on the Saturday because we were playing. Mm-hmm. So me and a few friends went, and we were sort of scattered around the cinema. And there was only about six people in. Mm-hmm. Three of them were teenage girls, oh. who were not aware that their beloved Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. was in a three-hour fucking sci-fi film. <laughs> so they just went anyway. All of them talked through the whole film. Oh. So about an hour and a half, two hours in, some guy gave it the fuck this, and he got up and walked around and just started shouting at them. <laughs> like they were on, all you could see was their faces lit up because they were just phones. sitting on their phone. Oh my God. And like the spectacle was going on and they weren't watching a fucking second of it. Oh my, why, why you bother? Like, start, start like the bus shelter, like I, the same go, thing you could do. Go to the sweet spot and fucking <laughs> have an ice cream or something. Don't bother your whole going to watch this. But, but I have been bumming this film up. Mm-hmm. Since the minute I heard Dennis Villeneuve had wrote a script with his friend and they were going to film this fucking film, because he's been talking about how much he loved the books. And Villeneuve had done... He'd done Blade Runner 2049, yeah. like? Yeah, so it's he's... So you, well when you look at fucking like Blade Runner 2049, you're going, Blade Runner 2049 is as good as Blade Runner to me. Absolutely, it's yeah. It's fucking yeah. amazing. And it looks amazing. So yeah. you mix that with a guy mm-hmm. who's in love with the books and has a vision already, Brilliant. then this is going to be spectacular. Yeah. And it is. Now, I know you didn't enjoy it as much as I did. No, I wasn't as excited as you were. I, I didn't, as you say, I thought the original was like a hotspot thing. It was was all right. Mm. So when this came out, I thought, right, okay. Now, I, I do have to give credit where credit's due. It looks amazing, mm-hmm. but very slow. It, very it started, slow. And this day and age of 2020, you're like, I can't do any more slow. Okay. It's I'm going to give you a wee quote slow. here. There's a wee quote here for you. <laughs> this is from Variety Magazine. When Duke Leto and his retinue set foot on Dune's pla- desert planet for the first time, the sheer majesty of it, not to mention the wail of Hans Zimmer, is enough to bring tears to your eyes because we've been so sorely starved of spectacle. Which we have. We have, in fairness, yeah. And that's where I was sort of coming from. You're going to see something you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen anything that looks like this. No, I have to say I'm saying it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, we have a clip from it here. Um, we'll, we'll play here to see... It must never be known. There's no satellites over Iraqis. Our trade is with die in the dark. On that matter, Duke Leto Atreides means nothing to our order. But his wife is under our protection, and by extension, her son. Allow them the dignity of exile. Alice Harkonnen would never dream of violating the sanctity of your order. I give you my word, we will not harm them.
If the Duke's son lives... Now our traitors will live. My lord, you gave your word to the witch. And she sees too much. I said I would not harm them, and I shall not. But Arrakis is Arrakis. And the desert takes the weak. My desert. My Arrakis. Imagine no. the amount of boys that went to watch that. No. Mama, go watch us down, boy. <laughs> Just three what? <laughs> three fucking hours. There's a big fat hair floating now in the dunes. That's your boy at uh, Avengers? Avengers, boy. Uh, yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, he uh, plays a. What I can say is a 20, 21st century Jab of the Hut. Big Jab of Vibes. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even seen the fucking worst of him yet. The yeah. second half, it goes is that right? bouncy. Oh, oh fuck. nice. Well, as I say, I have watched it and I did. That's, we have to say that too. This is the first half of, yeah, of, of the book. So there's, there's the second part is part two. And maybe, you know, ultimately in that case, we've only really seen the first act or the first. Yeah, act we've and just. And a half. So that's, first, yeah. that's why I maybe. Uh, uh, Justifies my thing of saying it's slow, but when you get the whole thing in, then you're coming to the second half. I think they be... just they wanted to honor it so much that you had to get it all in. Yeah, there's nothing missing from there's a few bits missing from the book, but it's nothing major. It's yeah, it's, it's a faithful adaptation. Like, yeah. like okay. it's uh, okay, and uh, as well as that, we've had uh, we've well, we have a couple of different things. I mean, Marvel tried their thing this year, yes, they uh, did. The, the whole Black Widow thing, which was delayed, had to come out. Black Widow was dung, right? Let's go, let's go through them. So was it Black Widow? Black Widow first, yeah. Give me your one-word review. Dung. Eternals. Dung. Shang-Chi. Not bad. I liked it. Even not two words. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. Good. Um, I th- Good. I, yeah, I didn't mind, didn't mind them. I thought... Uh, I, I, I watched the two of them, Eternals and, and Shang-Chi, within maybe a, a couple of weeks of each other, and it definitely stood out. Uh, I think it just part- felt more of a Marvel movie. Eternals didn't at all. Eternals felt like somebody was trying to write a Marvel movie. Yeah. And they just went, oh, let them wee lad. Let them film. It felt like something out of DC. And I was shit. Fucking I just nonsensical yeah. shit. Uh, did not like it at all. Now, I know they went and were in movies now, but they also did a couple of uh, spin-off TV shows. So WandaVision and... Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye and the, uh, Loki. Uh, the only one I watched was Loki. Which Loki's, was, Loki's very good. That's all right. Was, Hawkeye's not episode. bad. Uh, right. WandaVision I didn't watch yet because... It just didn't grip me to watch it like I wasn't yeah. there. But I know I will I will watch it. Just so, to sort of same as that, it's on the back burner. I know at some point... Loki's very good, actually. Yeah, it was, was smart. It, yeah, it was, was really smart. smart. And we also had then uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Reboot, remake, reimagining. Re-what? Fuck me. Boy. I enjoyed it as a uh, kid's film. If you were to bring the family along, if you were to go to the cinema, it would have been good. But as a, a original Ghostbusters in comparison thing, no. Didn't hold up. No, uh, I think my friend said it best. It's just an episode of that fucking, what do you call that? Netflix show. Things, something things. Stranger Things. That, mm-hmm. with Ghostbusters references in it. Yes, and I, I can see what you mean on that one, yeah. I, I think it's the, not shit. We'll not give you a, a spoiler, but the ending was quite rewarding. I thought, okay, that's nice. Um, I thought it, it was nice, more, but, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else we have? We had the, the, the f- well, we had James Bond. Uh, the, Didn't watch the, the it. 007. The fact that I went into June and I was really, really, really excited to watch it, but I was even then tentatively going, Jesus, three hours is fucking rough. But to go to see a three hours plus James Bond film? 
You can lick my balls. It's actually it's actually quite good. And I have to I have to give credit where it's due because I mean some of the Daniel Craig ones were a bit ropey. This one's pretty good. I love how they dealt with I'm not giving any spoilers away, but how they dealt with um the scenario of where does it go after this? Mm. And they dealt with that very smartly in that sense. And no, I thought it was good. I thought it was all right. I just thought it was a nice end to the uh, to the Craig era. And that. So, who do you think is going to be the next Bond? Then, uh, well, if you watch the film, you'll realize anyone, anyone, anyone. So that's all I give away. But I, I did, I do understand Anna de Armas is in it. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> She's not going well, look. Please pull up your trousers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, I thought No Time to Lay was okay. Watchable enough, anyway. Um, uh, the, Don't Look Up was a, a Netflix one. That yeah, came it came out, out Christmas time. DiCaprio, Streep. Um, yeah, it was okay. It was I, all right. I liked it, but... It, I, I thought the hype and the trailer were better yeah. than the actual thing. Yeah. I don't think it knew what it was. No, I don't think it figured out. I think there was yet. comedic performances and then just a dramatic storyline. And they tried You're to push like, the thing. especially. Especially when you when somebody must have pitched and went, listen, we're going to have Meryl Streep playing a female Trump. Yeah. I bet that was the pitch. Of course. <laughs> Show's over. Whatever else Absolutely. is around it. If you've got that happening, go for it. And she played a fucking blinder in it. Like, she did play a blinder. Uh, Jonah Hill, amazing as well. He's um, the only sort of comedic thread yes, through the whole thing. thing. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and DiCaprio worked well together. But again, it was uh, it's more of a... Isn't it basically a, a subtle reference to what's going on in the world now at the moment? Yeah, is that we're not fucking always. paying attention to what's happening. Uh, but Adam McKay, you know, so mm. McKay has, he's really, especially since the big short, now he is the same guy that Anchorman, mm-hmm. but has moved on and he started hitting more hard hitting uh, topics. Yeah. But adding that light flair to it. Vice. Yeah, you know, all that. Very that, good. He's a good filmmaker, like a yes, good writer as well. And a great writer. So McKay, uh, anything really he, he does has been good. So get a chance to look at that. Uh, please do so. Um, and any other films you can think uh, of? I really like Sound of Metal. Yes, I haven't seen that. It's very, very good. Um, Summer of Soul, the uh, Questlove documentary about the... I have that on my list. Uh, I'll just say what Mark Kermode wrote. The most remarkable, remarkable film of the summer of 2021 was Summer of Soul. Questlove's rediscovery of footage from the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival featuring jaw-dropping performances by Nina Simone, Stevie Wonder, Sly and the Family Stone, Mahalia Jackson and more. And this is his last line. Probably the greatest concert film ever made. Ooh. So, and it is very, very good. It's hard to beat The Last Waltz, but it is very, very good. Excellent. Uh, Also, I'm going to mention, because it was getting slagged. What was that? The Matrix Resurrections. Well, I wanted to come on to that now. Yes. Now, I was going in with literally tongue bit clean off me, going, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get into this. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. It's filmed in that new fucking digital 4K HD, and it just doesn't look like a film anymore. It looks no. like somebody filmed it on their phone. It, it, you know what it looks like now? It looks like a, a, an art piece, as in everything. I, they're so worried about their standout colors and all the rest that it becomes more of a distraction like, than an actual thing. But here's the thing. I got about 15 minutes in, and I was doing the fuck's sake. I was talking to me and my wife watch it, and I'm like, Karen, they're just rehashing the same old shit. I knew this was going to happen. Then it turns on its it head. It does turn away, but yeah. And I really liked that. I thought the setup was great. I it fooled the shit out of me. It's full meta in the sense that it's like it's really they, they like they go too far without giving anything anything away. Basically, what we know from the original Matrix, the whole three films we've seen 
in this version in this world, them Matrix films were actually a game developed yes. by Mr. Thomas Anderson. But what I was under the impression of was that it was going to be a continuation of three, and that's why I was just sitting terrified. Ah, right, I was okay. about to get five minutes in and go see if they start talking about fucking exomonicons and all this balls is on there, the wheel. Is there any uh, any truth to the rumor that the reason uh, is it Lana Wachowski did this one? She did solo. That the reason it was done is because and now this is what I heard. It was done bad intentionally. That Warner Brothers told them we're going to be making Matrix Four whether you're involved or not. Mm. So she basically went, "Okay, I'll be involved," in, and then purposely ruined it. <laughs> is what it was mm-hmm. was fired about. The original one is supposed to be the the sort of metaphor for a trans uh, yeah journey. In that sense, somebody which like we said in our document, like what we said in our episode. Sorry, Ken yeah. Reeves even said himself. He, he only now gets it. Yeah, he gets it. He now. didn't get it until. That's why I thought this could muddy the water a bit. Um, but no, I thought again back to that thing of the colors. I mean, it looks. Oh yeah. Very. Uh, I want to say the word bright. There's something mm-hmm. about it that was very colorful and very. But uh, do you feel it? Maybe it's just a personal gripe. But the more clarity we get in regards to to TV quality, mm-hmm. the more fake it seems. Yes. Is that is that that's yes. a fair enough? Refl- I mean, it's well, we're in four K. We're moving to eight K. We're moving enough. to eight K. I mean, to the point, it's going to get to the fucking point. Keanu Reeves going to be sitting in your living room. Yeah. I mean, it can't be any more realistic. Your eye can only see a certain amount. Well, the wife would be alright with that, but <laughs> I have to remind you, we haven't watched that James Bond film, Karen. So Anna Diarmas is going to be in fucking eight K mm-hmm. in the living room too. So shut your mouth. Anyway, so but see the way that the effects technology has gone up. Yeah. And then the resolution quality of your TVs and your cinemas and your projectors has That's gone right, up. Yeah. At some point, they're both going to not match. And I think we're at the point now where... It's getting there, isn't it? Yeah. Every effect looks like a cartoon or just like it was phoned in, but it's like the highest quality of special yeah, effects you really, can get really now. Yeah, really, really good. And you can see, fuck what the blacks are. I mean, that's usually the thing is the blacks it's are like blacks. A, says, but I mean, it's, it, they really stand out. But again, it doesn't... I always thought in, in, in my history of watching films, if it's going to look like, if you're going to put that much detail in it, it has to bring something to the film. Yeah. Instead of distracting away from the film, mm-hmm. which I thought I felt throughout the watching this. But I, I reserved judgment because like, unlike you, I was going to going, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm such a Matrix fan. Yeah. And then as it started, I was like, oh, hold on now. I, this is getting the best. Yeah. And as you say, it turned, I was like, oh, okay. To the point when I finished it, I, I couldn't come to a genuine decision of whether I liked it or not. I just knew instantly I'm going, I have to watch that again. I described it to someone. Was, I was constantly referring back to the original when you're watching things and clips coming up. So now I can look at it as a standalone and know that it's something I have to figure out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one doesn't have to be a part of the three. No, absolutely At not. all, yeah. like you yeah. could watch it and just, watch they're still explaining enough from the past yeah. for you to get it. Like, uh, So yeah, the Matrix Resur- Resurrections in that sense. So, I mean, it, it maybe didn't warrant the, the bad press. No, I don't think it did. I think there was way fucking worse. Oh yeah! Absolutely. Oh fuck! I gotta tell you about one of them. We went to the cinema at Halloween. Whole group of us mm-hmm. to see Halloween Kills. Mm. Holy moly! Rough. Jesus fucking Christ! Ugh. A boy behind me about ten minutes in went, "What the fuck's going on here?" <laughs> but he meant it as not as in he was confused, as in like now they're saying everybody's immortal and shit, and like, this is balls. <laughs> but it was, it's only an hour and a half long. Too many edibles passed around the writer's room. Oh, that's what they were on there. That's and they, I, I was with some <laughs> hardcore, diehard Halloween fans. Uh-huh. And they were outside going, what the fuck are they doing? You can't. No, there's just let it go. Oh, fuck. Let there's one die. more to come. 
Uh-huh. This and, Halloween. Uh-huh. And, and you scream as well. Oh, for fuck. And I hate that because I love the first scream. I love how fucking uh, on the ball it was of tearing apart all the cliches of fucking yeah. horror movies. And, and that, then should have been done, should have been left with. Mm-hmm. Two and three, four and all that sort of crap. And I'm like, oh no, where are we going now? This is going to be fucking... But again, listen, we have to give uh, give it a chance. Uh, but of course, the whole spin on from promotional things, this is the best one. But of course it is. Always. Always Halloween I Kills know. probably was the best one. Oh, it was the best one. <laughs> uh, another one we want to talk about, and it's mainly because, uh, well, for two reasons, it's a great film, but also because we know the the people involved. We know the guy. We know the guy. Um, hey, so, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. So anybody with Nona was talking uh, about uh, Chris Baugh, who did uh, Bad Day for the Cut. Uh, one of our uh, favorites, absolutely. Uh, also, then went on to direct a couple of episodes of Ten Star. So his new film uh, that he uh, co-writes with uh, Brendan Mullen, I think his name was. They uh, came up with Boys from County Hell. So this has been maybe in. I remember seeing a small short movie, Chris shot of a scene out of this. Okay. About uh, he'll he'll correct me this, but maybe ten years ago, eight years ago, and it was the first time I seen something he created. And I went, "Oh fuck, you're an actual director. Ah, you can. You're not just you're the boy. not just like me going. Oh, I direct plays and stuff, and I just get my mates together and just have the crack. Ah. You actually know what the fuck you're doing. Oh, he he, knows <laughs> he had a doing. five minute bit of a father and son out fixing the fence, and it scared the shit out of me. Yep. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. So that was the sort of if you want to say the the seeds were planted back then. Uh, that leads to Boys from County Hell. We'll play a wee clip and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it then. Some things are older than science, older than God. The Earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. <laughs> Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. This land belonged to Avertat. He drained people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. <laughs> Fuck Dracula. Fuck Dracula. <laughs> yeah, so uh, tells the story of uh, rural. I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, supposed to be Tyrone, but uh, Six Mile Hill is a uh, fictional town within the north. And uh, there's a stone monument, is what you call mm-hmm. it, that uh, has basically, the legend had it, had been built to keep Avertac into the ground. Um, so Avertac is supposed to be the allegedly the the inspiration for Bram Stoker to write Dracula mm-hmm. because it was an old Celtic sort of tale of uh, a being in the ground that would drain the blood from everybody mm-hmm. uh, in surrounding areas. So uh worked very well. I mean, you know, they've got, I think maybe that there's, uh, is it Louisa Harland from Derry Girls, isn't it? Nigel, I think it's Nigel O'Neill, that's the name of the guy who Chris has had before. He's in Bad If They Cut. Great you've actor. Got, yeah, you've got a, uh, now, I think maybe the, 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 the big guy with the beard could have been done a lot better. Uh, now, how long, guy, how, how, long we, how long, how long, just a wee, how long, um, I'm just, you know. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, huh. but was that the boy that you auditioned for? Uh-huh. That part? Sorry, yeah. you auditioned for that part. You didn't, you didn't audition for that boy. Like, no, Because clearly that boy turned up and he was acting. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But then you turned up and were just like, oh, Chris, me and you were and all like, Aye. remember me, Chris? When you, when, when you get a phone call from a friend who uh, says to you, listen, I want you to audition for a part. Yeah, but that's a nice and thing then, you did. Uh, fucking amazing. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. No, 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 no. But I thought, 
when I got the, when I got the the call when when you get the, when you're in the business and you get the call, when I got the call, I was like, oh fucking happy days. So I assumed it was this wee cameo type thing, one liner, and then a wee nod. I can show me wings. I look. I'm on daddies. I'm like, and then at, at the. It's the fucking fourth main character, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" So the panic got to me, and the ball knows this. Like the, the the pressure got to me. I didn't take the. Uh, you had to tip yourself for the audition. Yeah, I didn't take that as serious as she'd done. Now the good thing, and my argument is, right, they couldn't find anybody as good as me in the north, uh-huh. so they had to go in the south. So that's that's now, the, that's, <laughs> that's the way I'm leaving it. That's how it worked. <laughs> Bundy told me that you were ringing around all the boys and others saying you'll pay for their houses and all because it's all sorted now. <laughs> Boat bought, fucking uh, mansion bought. When he first came to me, I was like, this is dead. I'm going to be in this movie because I knew, you know, in my head it was like, yes, he's doing me a favor. I'm going to be in this. He sort of said to me, he was thinking of me when he wrote the thing. And I was like, well, fucking so, like basically, I think it was just a fat, jovial character. (laughs) That was all he was thinking about. But again. Are you you Cosmo Kramer who runs about now saying, why didn't I play Kramer? Do you know know the the fucking weird thing about getting that sort of uh, thing? I was given initially a scene. That's all I was given was one scene for the initial first read through. And I should have known then, right? Because the scene that was given to me was his death scene. Oh, God. Hard, you know, spoiler alert, like it's a horror film, you're right. But again, I didn't. Now, this is a guy who hosts a, a Best of Best podcast talking about TV, movie, and films uh, or music. And I didn't realize that if there's a death scene, it must mean he's a big character. <laughs> I oh, still sorry. only had the one death scene. So I, again, thought it was like a, a passing moment where somebody local has died. Blah, blah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was the biggest emotional part of the whole scene or whole film. But anyway, so let bygones be bygones. Fuck you, Chris Baugh. And uh, the, the <laughs> cast and directors who don't have a clue what they're doing. Like, how have would you total not, sense. Why would you not take on a guy who uh, got Liam O'Neill to film in the fucking office? <laughs> but you, you do have to admit they nailed the cast. Like, they did nail it. It's a great know. film. It's a mighty uh, film. If yeah, you can fucking find it, buy it. If you can get it, yeah, please do. Please go and buy it or rent it or whatever way you can get it. Uh, I'd, yeah, I mean, there's no way I could have done what that guy did. It was no. perfect. It was really, really as all joking aside. But uh, so hopefully I'm, I'm, we're excited to find out what's coming next. So hopefully... Uh, Big time. Maybe like the, the Edgar Wright's fucking Cornetto trilogy, we might get a, a third one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they can do sci-fi on her own. But listen... Here. Anything is fucking possible. Anything's possible. So have you a, seen that boss devil? We had, <laughs> fucking sci-fi. We had this a, is it, man. There's it, elliptical machines and all. That's sci-fi there. Like. The first movie was like a, a revenge killer spree film. Uh, uh-huh. This is a horror film, so I don't know where it goes next. Western. Uh, Western. Western. In Tyrone. You won't even have to fucking get the costumes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took a photo of a boy today in the fucking in the barbers. Western is easily easily adaptable in this town again at the bus table <laughs> right uh, so that's us for the for the films of 2021 we're going to move on to the music section now we always finish with the music section yeah um, because there is whilst during the TV and movie section there's a lot of agreement mm-hmm. it's when the music kicks in when, it's when shit hits the fan that's when shit really, I mean you should see us <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to start with, we're going to, well, I think most of these are Mr. Moan's uh, suggestions. We have, uh, we're going to start off with Halsey. Yeah. Which isn't something that somebody would have thought I was going to pick. No. So. Definitely a lot lighter than. It is a lot lighter. We would normally be used to. Let's, let's have a listen. Oh, the loneliness girl in town. 
Sounds that a wee bit darker than you thought Halsey was going to be. Yes, absolutely. Halsey is a fucking pop singer. I don't know any of her songs. Mm-hmm. But what interested me here was Halsey hired Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross Ooh. to help co-write, mix and produce their album. So Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross of yeah. Nine Inch Nails and winning all the fucking Oscars in the world. Uh, yeah, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there, there's interviews that this album was coming out, and it's called "If I, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power." Right. And even from the front cover, where she's just sitting nursing away in with this dark gothic thing with one of her boobs out, I was like, <laughs> "This isn't going to be a normal <laughs> pop album." Now there's some sort of pop staples during the entire album, but I was fucking blown away with it. The sound me, of the I, thing. I'm like, showing my age here. Halsey is who? From where? American girl. American. Okay. Um, she. I think she sent, Trent Reznor wasn't interested at all because he was like, who? A, what? a Pops? What? Who's a Halsey? What the fuck is this? And uh, he just sort of went, brushed it aside. But then she sent, like, the melodies she was singing with some mm-hmm. of the lyrics. And he went, okay, I'll fuck about with this. And then what happened was, in typical Trent Reznor fashion, he wrote, like, seven different songs for that was. one melody. And he wrote seven different, like, instrumental parts for it. Unreal. And sent it there. And she was like, can we just meet and I can tell you what I think? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out this young girl is a massive Nine Inch Nails fan and is big into sort of darker, more sort of mm-hmm. dark ed- edge sort of music. Yeah. And as a pop performer, just to get to this part of her career where she can do that sort of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I, I listened to the whole thing fucking a few times now and it's it's incredible. Like, Maybe. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Halsey, H-A-L-S-E-Y. S-E-Y. Yeah, going to, to take a look at that. That was called The Tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was another shout, which is uh, one of our guests actually brought this man to Yang. So yeah, Mr. Yeah. Aaron McCann brought Tyler, the creator. Of course. Uh, of course he did. To uh, a previous episode. Um, but this is a track that you have selected from it. And again, I would I would back it up. It is a fucking, it it's, is a blender. It, I listened to, ever since Flower Boy, which is the episode we did with Aaron, I have sort of followed through on Tyler, the creator's every new album. Uh-huh. Igor came out in 2019 there, and this is the follow-up. It's called Call Me If You Get Lost. It came out last year. And this is a song called What's Your Name? But immediately, immediately when I seen the video for it, I was like, that's a fucking, that's a mid-90s West Coast hip-hop song. Like, here we go. Bone Thugs in Harmony. Bone Thugs. That's what it comes in. That's what it sounds like. You look malnourished. Get some bread, fried an egg, yolk, and drown in the syrup. You can be spot, I pick a tail number, and we could be tourists. 
Let's go to Cannes and watch a couple indie movies that you never heard of. Listen to bands. Like, the only thing missing is a couple of bouncing Cadillacs going yeah, down yeah. the fucking Compton Boulevard. Absolutely. Like, that is pure West Coast. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? If you got a man, you should cut it off. Get your passport because we run it off. You can sit and talk. You can tell me everything that's on your chest, baby. Get it off. So, I mean, you've got, it's, it's definitely making a progression, like any well, it's, it, artist is. Like most a, critics that uh, I've read the reviews, it, it's in their top 10 for the year, but most of them said, to a, not to a fault, but it's definitely his most confident album. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's just embraced everything and went fucking through the balls to the wall and just whatever stuck he went with, and that's great. Like, uh, there's a great, um, I mean, it's it, that that progression, is used, uh, like you're saying, the critical acclaim has come with it uh, now to match the sort yeah. of commercial acclaim. And that, I mean, uh, it, it justifies McCann's sort of fascination with the guy from, no, I from agree. younger years, uh, from his younger start in his career. But uh, you can see why. You can see the talent mm-hmm. coming through and every, and the, the experimental element of it, because each song, you, you could be hit with that out of the blue. Yeah, totally. You know, it, no, it totally doesn't. It doesn't that, yeah. that, that album does not follow a pattern at all, like you can get anything in it, but like you said, it's great that when somebody finally comes out and does something that they really want to do and they're confidently going, this is me, everybody goes, we like that. Yeah. And that's a good thing, like. Uh, so we have a couple, uh, I'm trying to think of the, some of the things I was going to show you. So She Drew the Gun is, is some uh, somebody I've been following for a, a couple of years. I heard it again, like I'm going to do most things on Radio 6. And she did a cover of, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, she did a cover, it was released, and I was like, oh, that's, that's I like that. And so she's been, um, I don't even, do you know, that's how bad it is, I don't even know her real name. Okay. She's a solo performer. She took on She Drew the Gun as a, as a moniker. And okay. uh, she's from Liverpool. Oh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's she's. I don't know what way to describe the the the, the work she does, um, but it has. There's something catchy about her. There's something catchy about the actual work too. And uh, well, here we'll take a wee Louisa listen. Roach. Louisa Roach, and you, she was on uh, been interviewed recently, and, and again, she's sound as can be. Um, so here we'll take a look. I'm the rage of all women condensed to the point of explosion I'm the silence of violation finally broken I am the joke behind the eloquent feminist slogan And I will not behave myself I am the cheap labor and the overpriced beauty promotion I'm the time bomb of pathological consumption approaching I'm the child of Mother Earth and the dirt in her ocean And I will not behave myself Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she drew the gun. I think on tour actually at the moment. So she is. Um, just something different. Something um, very. The lyrics always get me. Very, very smart and very on the point, um, mm-hmm. especially in regards to any social issues and stuff. Uh, so yeah, she she drew the gun. Go and check that out. Very good. Um, now we have uh, we have this one now, which is another selection from yourself again. Tee us up here. Floating points are a band. Called, formed sorry by a guy called Sam Shepard he's uh-huh. like a British producer and DJ and he runs a few indie record labels but he hasn't released an album in ages as floating points it's like a collective of musicians okay so for this album called Promises he decided that him and the jazz musician Faro Sanders and the fucking London 
Philharmonic Orchestra, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Okay, are gonna do that's some collective. Let's be honest, an album <laughs> of just songs called Movement. So it's Movement One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, and it's won nearly every album of the year award going last year. Right? Okay, like world, never, never worldwide critical acclaim. Like, never heard of it, and it is fucking unbelievable. We have a clip here from uh, Movement Six. Seems this to is be your Movement Six movement. was the one where. I've been listening to it in the background, and I don't know what I was doing. I think I was running on the treadmill, and it was sort of there, but I wasn't really paying attention. But when this one started, I just fucking stopped dead. Like, so this is this is Faro Sanders, Sam Shepard, and the London Symphony, Symphony Orchestra, uh, and it's well, it's eight eight and a half minutes, but we're so not. So th- this play is that. us this dropping. Is the end. We're dropping in near the end here. It almost sounds like soundtrack work. Yeah. But it's the whole thing as a collection of songs. Fucking hell, eh? I've listened to it over and over again since. It's a bit like Dune. It's a bit slow. <laughs> it gets there at the end. Uh, so, yes, Floating Points. Uh, that was Movement 6. <laughs> DJ. That was Floating Points. <laughs> Movement 6. Promises from the album Promises at <laughs> October 2021. <laughs> Up next. Uh, so we also then, uh, another, probably my favourite tune of the year. Oh. Um, I don't, again, heard it on Radio 6, and I was like, oh, that, I like that. And then I seen the name of the title of the song, and I was like, that is my favourite song title of the year as well. So this is the Mauritian Badminton Doubles Champion 1973. Say it again. The Mauritian double, Badminton Doubles Champion 1973 by, mm-hmm. ha- by Hamish Hawk. And uh, <laughs> even Hamish Hawk's confusing even me. Even Hamish Hawk. So I'm trying to. F- I'll find a, a clip here to see if we can. Um, if we can get him actually to sign. To write a cathedral, I'll need a ballpoint pen. It'll sound like common people sung by Christopher Wren. On an upright piano With nice narrow keys In a Glaswegian chapel Or a Parisian library And as I sing I watch you diving Into a swimming pool That shines like a screen And I call out Isn't this living? And I call out Isn't this living? And you call back It's living And you call Hear me talk Not for me <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey-esque Maybe you would put in um, But yes, uh, the Mauritian Badminton Doubles Champion 1973 Is a track off his album And uh, yeah, uh, it's really grown on me It's like okay. properly, I know like, see your where, where did you get Radio 6? Radio 6, yeah, yeah. I thought that <laughs> But up next, you wouldn't hear this on Radio 6 
And also, Actually, if the only place you would hear this next track might be Radio 6, there's no fucking chance 1 to 5. Uh, up next, right, <laughs> is, is going to be Connors, not for me. Also, a lot of people, including Connors siblings, not for me. So if any of them are listening right now, what's yes. coming up? Is going to be, and no, I'm going to. This is specifically for Cheese, my youngest brother. If you could maybe pull in the car or something, because the last time Ronan finished off with a track, he got very afraid, uh, <laughs> scared, and <laughs> shaded. I think it was like half seven in the morning. He was terrified. <laughs> this is from a band called Portal, and they're an Australian experimental metal band whose style is an unorthodox fusion of death metal, black metal, dark ambient, and experimental music. This is a quote from a poor journalist who had to cover them. <laughs> Death metal always pretends to be scary But it's all rather harmless That said however I make no mistake in saying That the death metal peddled by these Australian perverts Is truly fucking terrifying <laughs> So this is a song called Drain From uh-huh. the album Avow well, And if you have to turn down Please turn down Because if you're not, if you're afraid of this shit You're going to be really afraid of this shit well, listen, on that note, we're going to say thank you very much to everybody yeah. for listening in. Uh, we are sorry for the delay. We will try and uh, make a concerted effort this year to make it at least once a month if we can. But uh, as always, send us your suggestions to Ronan and uh, <laughs> let us know, uh, let him know anything you'd like to talk about the podcast or anything that should be brought forward. We have a few people lined up for guests. Mm-hmm. We have their topics and we have them sorted out. We just need to schedule it. Uh, we can't even schedule ourselves to meet up. So no. I'm trying to get a guest to come from Belfast or further afield, or even from the Gavin Road, it's uh, it's a bit of a dilemma. So we'll try and work on that. Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, thank you for listening. This has been our review of 2021, even though it's in 2022. But that's our review, by the way, don't say you forgot this. Like yeah, you do every year. Probably are. We forgot loads, loads. Yeah, probably loads of but things. But it's our review. But the good thing about it is you'll not forget this. No. Thank you very much. See you next time. What's he saying? <laughs> <laughs>